What wow. up? That was a great video. Hey. Hey, hey, hey. I just want you guys to know that how dedicated I am to this entire endeavor because any figment or or remnant, I guess is the word I'm looking for, of free time I have now is dedicated to uh, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Ooh. <laughs> literally on pause as I come visit with everyone. Well, we are graced it. with your presence. So. You don't so understand honored, if you honestly. haven't played it. You really should. I haven't really played should. it, but only because I'm really bad at video games, so I don't do things that I'm bad at. Yeah, well, that's always a good spirit to have. Right? If you're not immediately <laughs> good at something, just quit. Yeah, that's yep. how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm so successful. <laughs> Perfect. Well, my name's Bobby. You're listening to Bobby's Cryptid Corner, or watching it, I don't know. Right above me is uh, the Warm Warden. Our uh, naturalist of the show, our skeptic of the show. Can we call you a skeptic? I think you're the most skeptical. Ugh, you're all skeptical. Well, yeah, according to Bree, yeah, according David to had to skeptic. Well, you know, I look at this as I look at every single one of the files that is put before us. 45 minutes before we watch the show, and then I just, uh, you know, I. 45 minutes before? No, it's... Thanks for really... putting in the effort there. Uh, yeah, we're going to uh, have to circle back to that. <laughs> it's, it's four or five days. Okay, so I actually do put my research into this. I I do spend my actual time to look into this. And this is... Your actual time, not your fake time. Not my fake time. Yeah, my actual time. I I was literally just asking if you were the skeptic of the show or not, and then you told me you don't do anything. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's Uh, great. Right next to uh, Game Warden Tony, we got... Wormington the third, and I am here to worm shit up, and I'm here to worm it out. Uh, Who's next to me? Uh, Kobali the Atreides. Uh, fear is the mind killer everywhere. <gasps> oh, stop. Oh. I should have. Uh. We all have a big sand boner for Dune, and I think we're going to talk. I know. About I'm going to change my name to uh, I am um, Goat the Mother Jesuit. That's who I'll be. You are, okay. you are a It's got a nice slut, ring to so, it. Yeah. I'll be Bri, the I Mother Jesuit. <laughs> and I'm not trying to put you on blast, but like, were you a, and there's nothing wrong with it if you weren't, but were you a Dune fan before the new movie came out at all? No, 100% no. I actually, I watched the old ones. I wasn't I really either. Did not like it. And then for some reason, the new one, uh, like the second it came out, it hit like that little ADD addiction part in my brain. And I was just like, okay, this is my shit now. It's We're everything you it want in a sci-fi times. epic. We're going to get the book. We're going to, like, I'm so The book is pretty robust and dense. Um, I think Kari might talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. I have a question. Uh, But uh, the reason we bring up Dune tonight is because the um, the cryptid of this week would be the Mongolian Death Worm. Dun-dun-dun! Straight out of Mongolia, which I like to refer to as the country no one, the country everyone forgets about, Mongolia. For real. For real. It's, it's like sparsely, sparsely populated, I think. And once you get out of the Genghis Khan, a Genghis Khan, whatever, if you're listening to Dan Carlin's hardcore history, it's Genghis Khan, mm. which kind of drives me nuts. <laughs> but I'm sure that's the correct way to pronounce it. Um, I, I, my experience with the Mongolian culture is from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. 
and um and the band the who not 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 the pete townsend roger daltrey who but the uh mongolian metal band hu the who i'm just recommending all kinds of stuff dune and the who and the mm-hmm. mongolian death worm um yeah. are we ready to do uh early arrivers shout outs it might be Absolutely. a little sparse and slash sad uh this evening it is uh, <laughs> we can havoc 215 uh enzo's here thank god uh thank god. loyal hides in lost grass vanessa uh bottled water's here in the top left hand <laughs> corner and in the chat uh there's <laughs> vanessa again uh, dirty mike of course joe 5d and i think that's it <laughs> Where's our, hey, uh, where's there, our Australian laurels? They're just quiet. Can I say, if you haven't listened to, like, if you're a, a metal fan or, like, a rock fan, just, like, listen to Who, listen to their song, The Who, which <laughs> is H-U, so it's not spelled W-H-O. Yeah, they're spelled H-U, which means human in Mongolian, and they have a song mm. called Who? H-U. Who? Listen to it. Who? This is turning into an Abbott and Costello routine. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Listen to that song. You're going to get hooked on them, and then you're going to be immediately uh, disappointed with the Americanization of some of the covers that they have done. Oh, it's not that bad. Oh, yes, it is. Are you talking about the, they do a Metallica cover, right? No, I'm talking about no the... No one should cover Metallica. Uh, what is yeah, it? Don't even uh, try. Nuts. Uh, anyway. I cut myself open. Anywho. Oh, God. <laughs> is that the, the Papa Roach one? Yes. Just yeah, let's not. Uh, I endorse the Who. I do not endorse Papa Roach. Um, wow. And then also, if you want to dig into the Who, I'd start with their first album called the Greg, uh, which is a little more traditional, I guess, Mongolian music. And then the newer one that came out, which is still good, is a little more tr- like a little more metal. It's still got that Mongolian vibe to it, mm-hmm. all the throat singing and whatnot. So we're starting it off with a recommendation. We got more recommendations coming down the pike. And mm-hmm. uh, are we ready to jump into the Mongolian death worm? I think a thousand percent. Worms up. Worms Still up. It. Worms out. I'm riding a worm. Why am I the baby? Because <laughs> you should know. I just I wanted to put you like you were a princess on a camel. And I didn't want us all to be on the same camel, all four of us. I so I found this one. Like a- you're pregnant with the baby jesus bring <laughs> jesus in you. yeah i am jesus you right can't here. walk through the desert we're trying to find refuge in a my, I new, like, fav- <laughs> my new favorite thing i like is how in this picture, picture of kari <laughs> i love i love how in this picture me and bobby are on camels jamie's walking brie yeah. is yeah. on Carrie. a camel Camels are for men and uh, people pregnant with the Messiah. Yeah, and then Kari gets to <laughs> ride the sandworm. Well, I am I am cabal leader of treaties. Isn't that so how Beetlejuice yeah. dies? Atreides is not yes. of the cabal. Oh, you're correct. He rides a sandworm. Mm-hmm. 
Another recommendation wow. of the show, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. from 1989. Yep. Great movie. Watch it. Great so movie. I think it was I keep forgetting how young some of our audience is. So I keep forgetting how oh, old some of our Toby Waba members are. <laughs> Fuck yeah. No, we're all you creeping guys to listen... the closer side of 40 than we realize. Just that's all. Listen to this story. I come across okay. things like this all the time at work. Okay, so the other day, I feel so stupid, but I, I just honestly have never heard this term before. I had to look up on Google what snail mail was. <laughs> I thought it was so different. I thought it was like, uh, I thought it was Free. like a, maybe a, like, no. like a, uh, what, that's some millennial like, shit right files. there. I was like, yeah. what the fuck is snail mail? I look up like, what is snail mail? Thinking it was like some converter. Or, mail. And then to it was like, fair. no, like old school postal service. I'm like, well, how yeah. am I supposed to know that? To be I fair, that. that didn't become a term until email came around. Yeah. Right. See? That's true. Yeah. I could see how you could miss that. That was still 25 Someone years kept ago. saying to... snail mail, and I was like, what the fuck is snail mail? I have to look up, I have to look oh up God, like the most basic words sometimes just to be sure because I was second. Yeah, like when we were researching this, when we were researching the Mongolian death worm, I was like, wait, what does ambivalent mean again? And I had to look <laughs> it up. Mm. And, and I'm like, sometimes oh, yeah, I gotta that, look that's up what I thought it like meant. That. I, I wanted that. to make sure. Anyway, this is not a, a show on denotative uh, yes. jargon of the world. Ooh, another oh, hey, beer uh... to try. Ooh, yes, you guys. We do have another beer. So this is really, I'm actually going to flat out say I'm not the biggest fan of this cryptid because I don't think there's enough information about it. But I will say the only thing that gives it a little bit of credence to me is the fact that it does have its own beer here going on. On. So we do have the Mongolian Death Worm by Chronicle Brewing Co. in Canada, Ontario. It's an Imperial Sour at 7.5% ABV. And we do have, I got like a little blurb that is on the beer, like can on the back of it. It says, three foot long sausage shaped creature said to travel beneath the sands of the Gobi Desert, spitting toxic venom and electrocuting its prey. Why did they not pick... That. Sounds like my ex-wife. I'm, I'm upset with the artwork. I think that so using a skull uh, is very, I mean, I Cop can't out. tell how many like, why craft beers out there it? have, yeah, like a skull. I, I kind of feel like they under, the the just the the overall marketing here is a bit underwhelming. I would well, like I gotta to be see honest. a giant sandworm. Are any Represented. of those beer drinkers on this call? Bria's. I'm an IPA gal. I don't mind an IPA. It's so funny. So far, so far, so far, I don't like any beers besides an IPA. It's so weird. It's, like I, I tried lots of beers. I don't know what what it is, but IPAs, especially hazy IPAs, like I love them. I try other I, beers. I'm like, what is this? I've never tasted urine, to my knowledge, but I imagine oh. that's what IP, IPA tastes. No, IPA IP. is like heavy. It's like it's like a hockey. It's full. No, body. I've I've had it's IPA. It's like an ale. I imagine it's IPA is what body. urine tastes like, though. Brie Enzo is alleging saying. that the actual sense. eyeball on this skull is the face of the death worm, and it's wrapped around it. Is. It. 
it is but it's still underwhelming that like Mm. i would have rather seen more of the worm rather than just the skull with the worm because like i said earlier i i just feel like a skull is a very common um piece of art on any type of craft beer especially any ipa but it's classic i would have rather seen just a straight up like worm wrap around the bottle yeah, but I, I I'm not that. on their marketing team, and so they're not winning there. You should be. Well, there you go. Call them up. Anywho. So part of the Let's talk about the Mongolian death worm for a minute, also known as the Olgoy Karokoy, um, known as well the large, uh, translated to large intestine worm. Uh, here's some AKAs that I made up. Khan's Kilbasa and the Gobi Desert Chubby. That's mm-hmm. so cute. Hans <laughs> Kilbasa. Oh uh, my god, I love mine that. Would because be, of its sausage shape. Mine would be Sand it. Chubby Boy. Oh yeah, it's always a Mine boy. would be mm-hmm. Desert Tampon. Ooh. Mine, would be, oh, mine would be Danger Noodle. Look at that. Oh, oh. It is a, a Desert Danger Noodle. Yeah. Mm. Okay, Tony? And Tony would be uh, it's, it's a bear. Uh, it's a, uh... <laughs> it's a bear. <laughs> it's a black bear in the desert. <laughs> desert bear. We'll desert get to that. Bear. I do have bears on my list, but I it's just we'll save that. I'm gonna go ahead and I marked this one as a moderate risk. Um okay, it yeah. is very da- it is dangerous, but it doesn't seem to be aggressive towards humans as far as what I could dig up about it. It is known to eat camels and whatnot. Um, I would just say don't touch it, keep your distance, but please take a photo. And then uh, after you take a photo, just walk away swiftly and you should be fine. Now, yeah, I'm about uh-huh. to spoil all of your preconceived notions about the Mongolian death worm because the problem is we affiliate it with things like Beetlejuice or Dune or um, trimmers or any of those things you think it's this giant worm in the desert let's roll that beautiful bean footage to the next slide please bean i'm sorry but it's only two to seven feet long it is not the giant that's underwhelming sandworm of why did uh, you get her all excited like science fiction more well two feet is still pretty long brie i must say listen It's it's two about feet, what you do with it and not about it's the motion in the ocean of yeah. the the rumble of the sand. <laughs> it's fucking massive, okay. Um so yeah, two feet. Uh can you say uh, uh, that's about two feet. That's scary. That's still scary. Seven feet is about my height. Um, which I'm not going to stand up for, but I think we all know what seven feet looks like. Uh, it is a red blood-like color. It is limbless. Um, no noticeable eyes or nose. Um, and then it's also said to spit a yellow substance out uh, as a poison that paralyzes its victim uh, and also known to be electronically charged, almost like an electric eel type situation. Um, this thing Ooh, travels okay. underground, much like the movie Trimmers. If you've seen the movie Trimmers with Kevin Bacon um, and the guy from Family Ties. Um, uh, subterranean travel, they say it can create little waves of sand that appear on the surface as the, uh, the desert, uh, as it passes to the desert. This is all from thatthoughtcatalog.com, by the way. Um, allegedly, this thing hibernates for 10 months out of the year. 
It emerges in the summer months, um, much like uh, when it's a, a lot wetter. We'll talk about the Gobi Desert and Gobi Desert wetter? in a minute, but like wet weather. I've been drinking. Am I, am I pronouncing my words wrong? I thought you said wetter. Oh yeah, when it's wetter, when it's wetter outside. Is wetter when a word? Wet, more moist, more moist. <laughs> you, if you ever uh, go out into the uh, go out into the street, the uh, yard after a nice. Uh, rain nice spring rain you might more likely to see mm. some worms out there getting some moisture it's that kind of thing dewy oh. yeah uh so it likes to you know re-up on the rain now this the desert the desert itself uh is <laughs> known to be dry that's why it's called the desert but it does rain from time to time now aside from humans uh which again i don't think that this thing attacks humans like for for food per se but it does prey on camels. Um, it evidently leaves its eggs inside an animal's intestines, which eventually turns the camel a shade of red, uh, the same as the creature, which uh, I don't know about all that. Um, and then um, some people believe that when it is injured, it will um, uh, shed an exoskeleton as well. Um, uh, now we did what? mention that no mouth or no noticeable eyes or nose. However, it does have a mouth um, with like spikes in it or inward pointing teeth, much like the Sarlacc from uh, Return of the Jedi. These are all foreshadowings to all the things we're going to talk about a little later on the show because there's not much on the Mongolian deathworm. How do you think that the he eats that a uh... Mongolian deathworm would eat a camel if they're about the same height, and and I feel like well, the camel is more them and then yeah, yeah, that's like the, yeah, the acid kills it, and then it falls to the ground, and then it uses its big mouth to grab on, and then starts sucking its inside out it and enjoying itself. Nibbles. Yeah, yeah, I just feel like a camel doesn't have a lot of oomph inside. It's it's interesting. Oh, you can eat a camel. Oh yeah, you can eat a camel. Meat. Ew, do people eat camels? I For feel sure. Like be, oh, yeah. I feel oh, like by the time cut it down, I think that the meat would be like jerky because it it stores nope. water so well. I don't think of it as like a wet, juicy meat. Let's I think uh, like jerky. Camel. Let's hermel. pass it to That's the an uh, way to think about it. The backwoods well, game warden. Have you ever tried camel? They don't Never. drink a lot of water. It'd be they like store a lot of water. jerky. They store a lot of water. I have not had a camel. I've had a lot of four-legged animals. I have not had a camel. I will think what you're trying to describe is like you think it would be more gamey. Yeah, no, I just that would make sense because I don't know if there's like factory farmed camels where they make it all marbled and delicious like a steak, but yeah, yeah. has anyone else eaten a snake here? Yes, I've eaten rattlesnake. Rattlesnake. Tastes like chewy chicken. Chewy chicken, yeah. It's just chewy. Yeah, or gator. Gator tastes like chicken. You look into the whole alligator. uh, Yeah, I've had alligator. You look into the whole like reptilians or birds thing, it all kind of makes sense after you've tried reptile. Yeah, uh, try it. Is that where they say everything tastes like chicken? I don't Mm -hmm. think so. Yeah, I mean, gator just is like a greasy chicken in a good way. Mm. I like to dip it in spicy ranch. Ooh, uh, this is located in the Gobi Desert. Is that how you pronounce it? Gobi? Gobi? Gobi. 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 There's your uh, Gobi delicious camels Gobi. being bred out there mm-hmm. waiting to be uh, eaten by the Mongolian death worm. 
the Gobe Dithers is in Mongolia. Uh, hence the name Mongolian Death Worm. You can see a little like uh, juxtaposition of like kind of weird, uh, uh, not weird, but like, uh, you know, dry desert dunes mixed with kind of a very uh, eastern Lush, looking almost. garden with uh, with one of those. Looks like uh, towers that you see at a Chinese restaurant or a Mongolian restaurant, <laughs> like a Genghis Grill. I'm trying not to sound racist here, but it, it is. Doesn't it, even seem like it would be likely, like to have every, all this lush greenery and this beautiful architecture behind this desert sea. It almost seems like it just wouldn't. Yeah, you know? it's actually a pretty unique desert because technically it is a desert because it has very little rainfall. However, um, it does have like some lush kind of swampy areas as well, like uh, the oasis is. And I think I want to say there's like some lowland like uh, marshes and things Marsh? like that. So there's sources of water. It is like a super, super difficult uh, terrain for humans to settle in. All those people that live there are super hardcore and tough. Um, but, uh, it gets super hot and also gets cold. It, it snows a lot out here as well, which is interesting. So, um, desert technically just means it doesn't rain very is often. No. Oh, it is. Wow. That's interesting. Now, br or, uh, Jamie, you live in the desert, right? Like it gets cold there. Yeah. So one of the things that people I think underestimate about like here in Vegas is like, it'll be really hot during the daytime, but because there's no trees and stuff or anything to keep the like atmosphere and heat in, it gets freezing at night. Like, I mean, like it can get below zero around here and then it's just, it's windy as a motherfucker here because it's just so wide open. A lot of people mm. don't realize that about Vegas either, about how windy it is. It's constantly like people talk about Chicago's the windy seat. Fucking try Vegas. My house constantly sounds like there's a fucking tornado outside of it. Last time oh, yeah. I was in Vegas after I met up with you guys, I'm pretty sure I had COVID. And I was <laughs> and I went to one of those, uh, what is that place called? That really awesome diner in Vegas. Oh, Which one? oh Pepper to, Mill. Uh, the Pepper Mill. No. Yeah, I went to the Pepper Mill. Oh. I was sick as a dog. I think I just had a cold. Whatever. It's fine. It was like on your it's last fine, day or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, I just remember being, like, miserable after waiting for, like, an hour and a half to get a, a table at the mm -hmm. Pepper Mill and then, like, regretfully eating a BLT that was, like, yeah. the size of my head. Yeah. And then being outside waiting for an Uber while, like, sand was just whip-whirling around me and stinging yeah. my skin and going into my lungs. I'm like, I got to get out of the city. Like, Well, now. and one <laughs> of the reasons that I mentioned <laughs> the wind part of it in the desert specifically is because – you know, a lot of people say that they could see the ground moving when they thought one of these things was coming. Mm -hmm. Wind can also do that to sand. Like if you have like a little mini kind of gust of wind, it can almost from far away look like something's moving in the sand when in fact it's just the wind carrying the sand somewhere. So keep that in mind. That's a super interesting point, actually, because it is kind of the Mongolian death worm, um, the folklore kind of skeptical folklore angle of it is like it seems to just represent the the danger of the desert. Right. And I think mm -hmm. that that like if we were to uh, apply some sort of uh, physical features to the danger of the desert, like it moves as this as the wind blows through the sand and it's actually a worm underneath there and it'll it'll blast its hot dirty acid all over you you know like it's it's like this um 
this consolidation of all the dangers of the desert. And I don't want to lean on the cautionary tale thing with this folklore, because I think there is something to this. Um, You know, many locals are convinced of the existence of this thing. Um, And it, uh, it goes back generations, but it was in 1922 when kind of Westerners started to, um, to acknowledge or uh, hear about it, I guess is the way to put it. Is that bear? Now this is a, uh, Mongolian Gobi bear, grizzly or brown bear. It's uh, a Mongolian brown, bear. Brown bear. Brown bear. It's a Mongolian bear. Okay. Wow. Uh, let's just talk a little bit about what's uh, what's located here in this desert, uh, so we can deduce what this thing might be. Uh, Tony, take it away, please. It's a grizzly bear. So this is a. <laughs> <clears throat> Unfortunately, there are several offshoots of grizzly bears. This is another offshoot of a grizzly bear. They don't get quite as big as like what we imagine in North America with brown bears and grizzlies and what we look at with uh, Siberia and the size of their bears. This is a smaller bear. It's probably uh, comparable to a North American black bear, but it's still... Hell yeah. A grizzly bear. It looks like baby. I want to hug it. Yeah. Until... I don't know if that's recommended. It looks no, like maybe it. I don't mean this disrespectfully, but it looks like the bear is maybe like missing some genetic oh, stop makeup it. or something. I agree no, with my face, It looks like a big possum face. That's all. It, it's like it just it, it looks like it has no neck. It's just the what? angle. Yeah, what yeah, the hell? Yeah. Since when all do bears it is... have necks? I I looked at this. Necks. All it is is like a <laughs> beefy necks. Yeah. All it is is a midget grizzly bear. It's the smallest allocation of the fauna of the grizzly bears. Like this I don't is think the you're smallest allowed to say breed. Midget anymore. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I don't let say anything. I would. Good answer. Good answer. Yeah. What We're over professionalism, okay? We're taking it over. No. We're not doing it anymore. Yeah, I'm keeping midgets and I'm keeping retarded. Over professionalism. Right. We're <laughs> doing and okay. saying what we want. You guys can't have those two. They're mine. Those are yours. So, All right. They're small. What lives, <laughs> <laughs> what lives what there? there? Okay, in my mind, I saw what lives matter. <laughs> That sounds perfectly about I right. Love, like, that yeah. is perfect. Hashtag like, what lives, lives matter. matter. <laughs> what lives matter. Here we go. That's a really great question. question. So the big... Uh, it's a question. The big kitties that we have here are snow <laughs> leopards. One of the most endangered species of big cats that we have. They're so pretty. Cool they're, cats and kittens. They're awesome. And then we have the Central Asian Pit Viper. That is your bottom left. The weasel right next to it is called a marbled weasel something. That was Bree's nickname in high school. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck is this? that even mean? <laughs> Like what does that imply? Like what is this? <laughs> Let's go let the imagination run. 
And then you have the uh, you have the black-tailed uh, antelope and the wild Mongolian ass. Oh, that was Kari's nickname in high school. <laughs> so that donkey on the right, its official name is a wild Mongolian ass, and then you have this stupid antelope. But one of the things that I wanted to bring here was there's not a lot of reptilian species that fit our definition of what the Mongolian deathworm is. They only yeah. have three snakes that are poisonous in the entire area, which is something. Yeah, like if you look at the rest of the world, there's like, I didn't know how many. Uh, rattlesnakes there were until I went to a museum with rattlesnakes and I was like why the fuck are there 20 different fucking species of rattlesnakes why did I think there was only one species of rattlesnake oh. I thought it was just a rattlesnake like you're just a snake and you rattle and that's it <clears throat> I didn't think no, that's like, no. a cattle I'm, I'm rattled by this there's, yeah, there's, there's rattling rattling there's information for sure several different Several species of rattlesnakes, and when I looked into this, a lot of the poisonous snakes, kind of, they sort of hit the uh, size of the Mongolian deathworm. But I want to wait until we get into the fact or fiction to give my my full Sci-fi. opinion on this. Okay. But right. I just wanted everybody to know there's really big animals out there. There's just a couple different types of poisonous snakes. It's a desert. There's really not a lot of fauna out there. But there are ways for these animals to live because life finds a way. I was going to say, do you think there's a possibility that... Well, I guess we we could definitely revisit this towards the end, but just to just to add it now, I imagine that because the desert is so vast and we don't know what could slither underneath, who knows what really could be hiding under there. Yeah. I mean, you could definitely take our little like subterranean theories we've talked about multiple times on uh on uh, multiple episodes here and apply it mm-hmm. to the desert, especially if this thing is known to live under the sand as a sandworm. That makes it extra elusive. And think about how desolate this region is as well. Like, yeah, like they say, the like the locals seem to be like, nah, it's fucking real, but it's like not pretty. It's like pretty uncommon to see them or whatever. It's kind of like the I got a lot of Yeti vibes. Like it's like mm. the way the the Western world and like the locals kind of interpret this is very reminiscent of the Yeti. Where like they're just kind of like, yeah, it's out there, but whatever. We don't really give a shit what you think. And then Westerners are like. You're crazy natives, and that's what they do. That's right. Those over over Literally. Oh. Cars, people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Get a Bible, then we'll talk. <laughs> right? No, for real. What's more likely? <laughs> I'll take, so, and I'll I'm take the sand, God. So I'm talking about folklore, right? I could read the slide, and you can read the rest of it. Okay. Let's do that. I am smiling. I'm happy now. Um, the the old goy uh, krokoi, krokoi, Drink. krokoi. Um, 
The overall folklore of this story seems to be just handed down by travelers and traders over the centuries. There is no necessary pinpoint to where uh, the story originates from. So I, I take it as like a warning that they pass down between the other travelers and traders of this great Mongolian sandworm. And then, of course, if a traveler or a trader does not return, it's automatically um, surmised to, well, it was taken by the wrath of the great Alakoi Koke. That's probably not the right way, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying Algoy Krokow. Krokow? Algoy Kokoy. Algoy Kokoy. Algoy Kokoy. See, the thing is that we pronounce it from what we think uh, English is, but a G could be a H. <laughs> no, that's true. Algoy Kokoy. You know, I'm fairly sure. It's definitely yeah, not a hate it. crime, uh, but that is, and but I think that it's almost, it's crazy because we obviously talk about cryptids in every episode. Almost all of them, we can pinpoint the origin story. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one, it could also be because, of, of course, we're in the desert. We're in a deep desert area where it's extremely desolate. And uh, there is, I don't think there's, there's no home tribe where this originates from. There's no great warrior where this originates from. This is literally like a story, a tale that's been told from person to person verbally, not written anywhere. But yet it's gotten so much, um, so it, it has a lot of oomph behind the entire story from where it originates to. And then maybe because of sci-fi and all that, that it's really been propelled forward into this huge thing. But at its very roots, it really doesn't have any type of pinpoint starting point, which is, is kind of interesting to think about. Cool. Dope. Oh, is there more? Kari, do you have more? Uh, yeah. So Mongolian in Mo- Mongolian folklore, uh, they're kind of ambivalent on snakes. They're associated with dragons and the water world, and thus are worthy of respect and should not be killed. On the other hand, they're sy- symbols of malice, antagonists to the forces of good and hostile beings that should be destroyed. Saying the word mogoi, which is means snake, is not recommended with euphemisms Mogwai. like is that it? Mogwai? No, I was just oh. no, no, that's just what the Mogoi Gremlins are called. <laughs> so that instead of uh Mogoi, they use euphemisms like Ert Korkoi and Kerkan, which means long worm and holy or merciful instead. Okay, I understand the holy part. Then we can circle back to this when we talk so, about Dune. They, they use terms of reverence instead of. I don't think those things are like mutually exclusive. I think there's a lot of dangerous. Most things that are dangerous demand respect, right? Mm-hmm. And yes. It's not necessarily like a symbol of evil. It, it's just like, hey, like we acknowledge that this thing out there will protect itself in some way. Or you know what I'm trying to say? Like it's not necessarily uh, immediately uh, a archetype of evil. 
or just yes, Brie, why are you crying? Sorry, <laughs> private step on a worm. No, sorry. You will okay. be. Go on. That's all I got. Um, I I agree with you, and I think it it has to do with just Mother Nature. I think we all know right. that Mother Nature is a fucking beast. Like the most death and destruction <gasps> we could even. Who's got the goddamn hiccups? Like, yeah, sorry, Tony, are you okay? Drink some water. <clears throat> fine. Or he'll just scare you. He'll come in and scare him. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a big part of Mother Nature. We automatically give that respect because it's completely out of our hands and it's so out of control that we're just like holy shit i mean uh, think about it i mean even like pagans it, or other other parts yeah. of formed religious beliefs around this because it's behind the force of nature that we cannot control and i think if you're like within a culture that's uh dependent on or more like uh localized or like in touch with the land and maybe you're like a bit more dependent on the land these types of uh mythologies are like these like respect these tales of respect are more prominent than someone say that lives in like cincinnati or, and doesn't leave their studio apartment or whatever you know what i mean like I think like it's a product of living in the wilderness. You're going to learn to respect it. Like in, to speak Tony's language, like nobody really thinks that tornadoes are evil per se, but they, they do demand. It is nature demanding respect, right? Like if you watch that movie Twister with Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt, I've know, never seen this movie in my entire life. Hey, don't that's Cardi's favorite, favorite movie. My favorite movie. Is it really? It, really it is. is. That's that's so weird. Okay. I got I got the recipe to make that uh, steak and egg and mashed potato breakfast. Ooh, that sounds delicious. From the movie Twister. Yes. Oh yeah, Cardi, you love the weather. I forgot about that. Side story. <laughs> They're currently filming a, a sequel to Twister, which is based on the, a failed fan movie that I was part of about ten years ago. They talked about the stuff. From Are you getting royalties? No, but no. They, they we shopped it around a little bit, and they, you know they they steal shit. But whatever. Yeah. Like it's funny because they're marketing loads of websites marketed when they announced they're doing the sequel, but they used the poster from my project that I color graded like 10 years ago. And that poster got put out to like millions of people. It was really weird because it had the, the poster had nothing to do with the new movie, but it was the only thing that was like kind of out on the internet. So very cool. I have an IMDB credit for, for that. So. Nice. Very well, nice. Look at me. I'm famous, mom. Anyway, so Tony thinks tornadoes are evil. That's what I got out of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not what I said. What the fuck? Tony, Wait, I wonder if we have one for being in the dog. Hold your breath. You got the hiccups. It's not what I said. <laughs> we don't. We don't. We don't. Mm. Yeah. Boo. Next time. Next time. What is the history of this Mongolian death worm and its breath? Because it doesn't look good. This is Bobby. It's not looking great. Um, yeah, it's uh, not looking good. There's not much more than what we've already talked about. Like I said, there's a lot of uh, accounts that uh, go back, apparently, intergenerational of the local lore where people talk about it. Almost a cautionary tale thing. 
I have to I have to say it again. Uh, the uh, you know the consolidation of the dangers of the desert. However, it seems to be the people, the local people, really do believe that there's this is a thing, and uh, eventually uh, the Westerners get a hold of it in the twenties. And there was one gentleman. I don't have it in front of me, but I believe there's a slide on it. Ew. In the West, Jamie, take it away. Oh yeah, give me this guy. Uh, yeah, that's him, Roy Chapman Andrews. Okay. Oh, okay, Roy Chapman Andrews. He wrote these two books about it. So these are really the first introductions that we have to the Mongolian death worm being more in like the Western culture. Because you have to understand the area before this was under like Soviet rule, so with not a lot of information came out of the area. So this is really the first time, and this is like nineteen, I think, like sixty or seventy-two, somewhere between there. Um, and he wrote these two books. And so these are the first really like introductions that we have. The first one was a field guide. We talk about a lot of those inside when we talk about cryptids, these people writing these well, field guides out there, uh, discovering things. And then he mentions it again in a later book, more solidifying it. And it's a lot about what you talk about. What he says inside of these books is pretty much just like, these are traditional stories that people are passing down and people are talking about them. These are the descriptions that they're talking about. And so it's just kind of like a, a record keep of the time and the folklore. Well, his, his advent, he's a natural, he's like a really famous naturalist mm -hmm. and adventurer. And he yep. um, was, uh, what is it called? The um, Asian origin of humanity, Asianic origin of humanity. He's one of these guys that went out to look for evidence of like humanity originated in Asia, as opposed to like Africa in the early 20th century. And apparently he's uh, allegedly, more or less what uh indiana jones was based off of mm -hmm. however like no one's really confirmed or deny it but yeah. i will say next slide please skirt i mean look at this guy on the left that's him okay that's roy chapman andrews uh mongolian adventurer and naturalist he did uh find some fossilized dinosaur eggs out there one of the earlier um frontiersmen and pioneers of uh, uh dinosaur uh, uh discoveries science? yeah discovery i guess yeah and then in a nerd like me i don't know if you guys know this but indiana jones is like my favorite fandom of all time really everything. yeah i've probably <gasps> seen those so things. you're excited that there's a new one coming no, see, I'm not excited, and that makes me more of a fan. Oh. I will go see it, though, and that makes me more of a fan. Uh, it doesn't look as bad as Crystal Skull, but whatever. I don't oh, even care. Leave it alone. I, I, about I'm Crystal so Skull. jaded and have more, um, I have more important things to be worried about in this moment in my life than if the new Indiana Jones or Star Wars or whatever is going to be ruined by stupid corporate nonsense. What about the wait, personal point of but, privilege? Uh, have yes. you ever thought of the idea that also all of the Indiana Indiana Jones movies, if you took Indiana Jones out of them, they would go the exact same way. Like nothing would be different if you removed Indiana Jones from them. What the fuck are you talking about? Wait, yeah, wait, go watch that again? the movie. Yeah, go watch the movie back, and then just think about it without Indiana Jones, and everything would be the exact same. He's kind like just watch it. The plot holes. That's are one ridiculous. of the most preposterous things I've ever yeah. heard in my life. I'm confused no. at what you're saying. That's okay. That's all right. No. D no. Just take him out of the movie. He is the movie. Jamie, you have to explain. I if you take him 
out, the plot line doesn't change. Like literally, yes, if you remove the character, everything else, everything still happens the exact Jamie, same. Jamie, did you hear that he, on he TikTok? Because you too. don't watch movies. No. He's the one that it. he's the one that puts the thing in the staff and puts it in the pyramid under the ground with the staff. Yeah, if you removed Indiana Jones from Indiana Jones movies, all you would have is dumb bitches getting caught <laughs> by people by who want to kill them. and communists. Yeah. I think Jamie's trying to say that, that and thuggy cult is... members. Irrelevant. Just, yeah, he's just pointless. kind of irrelevant. Yeah, he's pointless. Here, here's the thing. Literally, I just want to point this out. Look, I've read the fan fiction when I was a kid. I think I read this one. This one is literally called Indiana Jones and the Dinosaur Eggs. So whether or not okay. Ray, uh, Indiana Jones was based on Roy Chapman Andrews, someone came to that conclusion when they wrote this fictional novelization adventure expanded universe of indiana jones and kind of i i would argue that it was inspired by uh it even has little like asian dragons on the cover and stuff and it has like a husky or whatever german shepherd i don't know uh the point is uh indiana jones is fucking awesome and so is roy chapman andrews <laughs> guys like david I, i'm sorry to burst the ancient aliens people's bubble but like guys like david childress and your favorite oh i love both of those guys okay. they like to claim like i'm the real life indian and just like no you're fucking not no you're not you're on ancient aliens you have weird hair you talk like this uh <laughs> that is but he does not... always dress if we're talking about Giorgio, he does always dress in that like safari. Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah. Here's the point. Indiana Jones does not dress like Giorgio Sukolos. Giorgio no, Sukolos dresses like Indiana Jones. Yes, for sure. For sure. Who did it first? Who did it no. first? Who wore it best? Oh <laughs> Who wore it best? We should do we should do <laughs> we'll we'll you do see Giorgio. UFO. Who are you wearing? Who are you wearing? Hides <laughs> <laughs> and long grass. I'm not saying it was Nazis. We should do a Golden Probes. That's like Hides and Long Grass. That's like if you watch MSNBC, that's pretty much the entire thesis of that channel. I'm not saying it's Nazis, but it's Nazis. Yeah. Damn. Pretty much. All right. Give us the next one. All right. I guess I'm learning a lot. I just wanted a nice close up of this one. Just imagine that. Now that looks like a flashlight. Yeah. Whose colon is that? Not mine. Who wants to put anything in that flashlight? Oh God! It's a flashlight. You can put it in, but you can't take it out. That looks like this. You know, a hundred percent that there is someone out there. The Archangel Michael told me to do it. I saw a meme that was a flashlight um, <laughs> modeled after Jabba the Hutt, and it said Jabba the Slut, and I thought it's <laughs> one of the greatest memes and grossest wow. memes of all time. Um, anyway, here's <laughs> the next one. This is this one. Oh, this yeah. one I thought is a little, a little more fleshy. Mm, I dated yeah. her. <laughs> <laughs> was her nickname Teeth in high school? <laughs> yeah. Her nickname was Teeth in adulthood. Don't talk <laughs> like about how, I like how Don't Enzo posted the like link that. to the uh, Indiana Jones <laughs> Expanded Universe book. Good looking out, Enzo. I recommend Enzo with the link. I loved linking. it when I was 11. When Enzo's always with the goddamn links. He's mm-hmm. too good. Enzo's he like, I know they're horrible. But oh my God. Enzo, give me a Dune link stat. Listen, it's the best part of the show, you guys. Go for it, you fucking nerds. All Big right, worm. well, uh, so uh, Dune in 1965, I think this is honestly where a lot of it kicks off at. Um, mm-hmm. When the first book hit, 
There are six total books. This is a really great uh, wall in Dune where it shows Shai Halud, the great sandworm in the background. And Shai Halud, I mean, so there are many different sandworms there in Arrakis, the planet in which uh, the Atreides clan goes to. But Shai Halud is also uh, kind of surmised as like the gods to the Fremen, which are the people that live on Arrakis. And I think it kind of ties back to what we were speaking about earlier with great mother nature, almost like this force of God, this circle of life. Uh, so if you die by Shai Halud, it's, it's just another circle of life. But Shai Halud does have teeth stronger than anything you can imagine and just rows mm. and rows and rows and is also activated by noise any type of movement in the like ground vibration any type yeah can activate uh the the sandworms oh man i, I just I I don't want to over... make the argument that the the impact on pop culture whether it be consciously or subconsciously uh that the mongolian deathworm has had is far more recognized than the actual Mongolian deathworm itself. Yes, so, it became... you have Dune, you have many others we're about to talk about, but it's just interesting. It's like everyone's heard of Dune, everyone's seen Beetlejuice, but those people likely have never even known about the Mongolian deathworm, right? Or it's definitely, or... yeah. Tony? It's fun. This is a fun episode. I love, I love it. I'm I'm gonna give my opinion when it's time for me to give my opinion. Okay. Uh yes, I think this is where it stems from is the true folklore of the Mongolian death worm. Even though it was just person to person tales, it seems like it really took off and it had significant uh weight when it comes to sci fi. Because you can just put that in any type of desert scenario. You think that there's nothing out there, but little do you know there's something lurking underneath the ground and what you're walking on could literally just activate this giant sandworm that will swallow you whole. Um, Kari, do you have any other comments on Shihalud? Um, I think it's, uh, it's interesting that they use it as a travel system. Um, those who have like the abilities and have like an affinity with with the desert have this kind of otherworldly ability to be able to ride the worms which is how they kind of, you know the the fremen kind of see people that can do that as like uh leaders within their like resistance and stuff which is is very interesting use of uh the mythology and creating well, yeah. and the way that the mythology sure. is created in that story is is you know it's all based on the idea that the desert is just a giant ocean yes and, and you can go you know go swimming in it and whatever um yeah I think that's what i want to add which is i think what uh the author there was going off of uh the 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 baseline um inspiration for the story was that was that the desert really is like an ocean it's so interesting to think that they're almost equally great and dangerous it's just that one is wet and one is dry 
and to think of what lies beyond the surface of these oceans, you know, whether it's water or whether it's sand, it's like what lies beneath, we may not know. Could be this giant monster, this giant danger. And I think what Dune highlights is whether or not you live with this monster where you uh, can coexist, even become not necessarily friendly, but um, almost like and partner with. Opposed you're to one with you the nature just, of the place. Right, right. exactly. Um, we love Dune. Uh, but yes, it, it's the same. That's <laughs> all <laughs> so I was like, we love Dune. But yes, it's the same imagery here with this giant giant desert worm with these teeth that i mean lord have mercy they're just ripped to shreds well one of the things like when we look at movies like this and where we see this interaction between humanity and our environment The environment understands the way that the world works. Yes. So every single animal knows whether or not it is predator or prey. That's what I meant by living at one with nature. So like that. Yeah. The Fremen, they, they live in the desert. They live off. A finite amount of water that's just a way of life for them in de- terms of dealing with like uh creatures and threats in the desert it's just, it's part of their survival kind of and it's, it's the same way that everybody else lives without kind of understanding that cities really fucked that up because it ruined the way that we understand how we Pick and choose how we survive. Well, that's what Dune ultimately is also highlighting. The entire story highlights uh, those who live with the land and those who live off of the land. You're either sucking from your planet or you're living in symbiosis with your land. And I think that ultimately is... um, what inspired the writer, not just because it's this like crazy sci-fi concept, but because it really does come down to the fundamentals of living with your land or living off of your land. And it highlights that so tremendously. Uh, obviously, survival, when it comes down to the basis, is going to be if you are living with your land. Yeah, and my challenge is how many of you that are listening or uh, watching are living off of your land or are pulling that out whatever you can just to you know kind of treat everybody else in the middle what are you doing to do that right well it's always a good reminder to remember for sure it's important to remind remember that the fremen were enslaved by those who lived off the land yeah the, the, those who were farming and selling the spice, they enslaved the Fremen, and the Fremen live yep. in uh, they live in harmony with the desert, but then they want to usurp the control, and that's where Treaties comes in. And... Yep. It's really good. Dude is uh, fucking awesome. Yeah, uh, I highly, uh, highly recommend it. I don't know who used... 10 out of 10. I don't know who puts... 
I don't know who put the Sarlacc pit from the special editions in here with the. I uh, did. I did because fucking little shop of horrors Sarlacc. Yeah. Okay, but oops. Do you like my little my little Jabba? Look how cute little (laughs) Jabba. Oh, so cute. So the first time that's that Sarlacc was ever mentioned in Star Wars. What? You spelled hot wrong. Hot Hot drink. Yes, two Two T's. It's not like Pizza Hut. Yeah. Well, believe it or not, first, first I just put Jabba. First I just put Jabba, and then I was like, "Are people gonna know?" Okay, Jabba the Hut. Anyway. Oh, we got it. Uh, Yeah, you guys guys got it. Uh, Yeah, the first time. Like mentioned was 1983 when Jabba tries to throw poor uh, Luke Skywalker and uh, Chewie and Han Solo off the little plank. Off the little pirate was, ship. Was Tatooine based on the Rackus? <laughs> I think it honestly um, reflects the same thing. And the Rackus came out 12 years before. That's what I told. I had this. I had this whole battle with my mom mm. not that long ago because she's the Star Wars queen, and I'm Dune because Dune really missed the opportunity to be just as big as Star Wars, not to be like Dune was first with the fucking mm-hmm. sandworm, and she's like, no, they were not. I had to look it up, so I was like, let's place it in here now. Dune yeah, for but the sure movie was... Dune, the David Lynch one, was after yeah. Return of the Jedi. And but I don't that think that the Dune, first Frank, video. Frank Herbert, Frank Lloyd Wright, Frank, uh, what's his name? Frank Herbert. Herbert. Yeah, he, I don't think he has a monopoly on using like the desert landscape as a no setting. But the, the idea of a, a fully desert planet and then integrating like a giant pit worm thing, it seems very reminiscent of the yes. you know, Maybe it's copy. just the tip of the hat. An homage, yes. which is all inspiration. George Lucas can accredit his entire it's career to tipping, tipping the hat slash stealing things from other people. This is like, he's like the Led Zeppelin of, of movie making. Have you guys well, ever he, did, he just read uh, he read Joseph Campbell and then just made a movie about? Have it. Have you guys ever heard him explain well, yeah. the whole thing about Yoda about why he had Yoda come about? Have you guys ever watched that little interview with him where he talked about that? No, I don't remember it verbatim, but he was talking about like how he had to kill one of the Jedi's because he couldn't be around forever, but he still needed somebody to be like oh, that. Obi Wan. Um, so when he made yeah. the sequel, he was like, "Oh, I can't use Obi Wan, so I need to create yeah. a new character to be the mentor." And so, and the whole point s- of go ahead. I was going to say the whole point of like Yoda's stature was to visually explain the power of the force like you don't need to be some big mm-hmm. giant yeah. power this physically dude. powerful man you could just be a tiny little muppet mm-hmm. <laughs> that's really and good he also he also he also admitted at the time to during the interview is that because somebody was like well what about his backstory he goes i didn't have time to ever really give him that much of a backstory and that's why you don't there was never a lot of explanation about him or what he was or how he came about or why there were another other versions of him or anything like that because it's just like he had it was like something he threw in at the last minute almost and it yeah. wasn't right. as thought out as people which is think which is. is 
out of character for George Lucas because he's mm-hmm. notorious for being like, I've planned it like this all along. Like, mm, yeah. okay, buddy. And if anyone's um, wondering, yeah. that I did learn on TikTok. I'm like, <laughs> need origins of all these characters, but we're getting them anywhere anyway, apparently, because it's yeah. funny. That's like the new thing. We have to know all of the, in the age of the internet, we have to know all of the information about all the characters. Because we and want I'm, to, actually. Little, uh, little side note. I saw that they announced what Dave Filoni's new Star Wars movie is going to be called, and it's the, they're doing the Heir to the Empire uh, book Ooh. series. As, yeah. Oh. Which is, is going to be that's like Mara oh. Jade. All, all of the Legends characters are finally coming in, and I'm like, yes. That's yeah, the but, trilogy uh, I wanted yeah. as a kid, right? That's the sequel. Kari. Oh, those are great books. Yeah, Heir to the Empire is fucking awesome. That's like that's the some of the best Star Wars properties yep. after the original trilogy is Heir to the yep. Empire. Uh, Enzo, can we get a link Bobby. to those books, please? <laughs> yes, Tony, Tony. What do you want? Yes, Tony. Sorry, Sorry, Tony. This movie is designed, from what I read, to end the Mandalorian and the Ahsoka storyline. And the Ahsoka storyline, as well as Boba Fett. Because none of them exist in the Sequel, sequels. Yeah, so they they they're in they're what's called Star Wars Legends, and they got like kind of that. they got like uh, decanonized, Ooh, cool. but now they're bringing in elements that they like, like Thrawn and stuff like that. Yeah, so Kari, the, we can talk uh, offline, but I'm curious to know how they're going to tie in the canon of the stupid new ones with Hair to the Empire. Ooh. So I, I can tell you in one sentence. So the Ahsoka show is introducing Thrawn as a, a villain. Uh-huh. And it's the same guy who voiced him in the in the the Clone Wars show. Yeah, oh, but, no. but uh Luke and or not Luke, uh, Leia and Han's kids and shit like that aren't in if right. it is, I, it's uh I'm interested in how they're gonna integrate like okay. Ben Solo Luke, and like, Yeah. We, they only announced the title and, and and uh, what the storyline they're doing, but they haven't announced like mm. details. Fair. Kari hey, learned that actually my makes us... sense. You could you could actually slide Heir to the Empire in between Force Awakens and Return of yeah. the Jedi. So that kind of yeah. makes sense. That's, that's they're going to have to deep fake all those all those. Oh characters. yeah, yeah. We're going to get deep faked Han Solo and Leia. Like it's obvious at this point hey. what they're doing. For sure. Uh, a lot it, of whatever. similarities with those two. Does it really go back to Clone Wars? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the Heir to the Empire books came out in the nineties, but well, Kari, I Kari learned my Timothy's my own. uncle wrote the first mm. Clone Wars. Your uncle what? wrote the first Clone Wars. We already looked it up. Oh, the the animated you... Cartoon Network show, right? Yes. So can you that call start, him? It's, it, but it was yeah, first can, can wrote them? it. Can you call him huh? right now? Can you call him? Can you call him? No. Oh, is that like the so. Samurai Jack animation ones? Or yeah, the, yeah, the, the proper, yeah. proper animation. Yeah. But literally, yeah, the cartoon, but still wrote the first story. Rebels was good. I liked that show. Anyway, nerd Ooh. talk is over. This is about the Mongolian yep. death. Okay, now. yeah, we'll go back. Yeah. All right, nerd talk over. All right, so now we're getting into modern <laughs> Jamie's accounts. Jamie's just quiet over there. 
Mostly because I haven't seen half of these things. Like, I only talk about the things I know. I've never seen I made you shit. watch Star Wars. Oh, maybe Parts of it. And you weren't here when I talked about Star Wars. I had great fun facts about George Lucas and you missed you it. You did. It, that, no, I true. didn't. I had my earphones on. You talked about Yoda and how it was a last minute addition. Yeah, see, look, I had great fun facts. Okay, that's and that's Thank all you. I had about that's all I had about Star Wars. <laughs> Thank you okay. for your who, who are these guys? So, okay, in 1972, uh, a Russian scientist allegedly uncovered a dead specimen of one of these things, but it disappeared long ago inside of a Russian museum. So that's one of the legends that's out there. More recently, in 2005, zoologist and journalist Richard Fieldman of the Center for the Fortin Zoology mounted an expedition to hunt for the death worm um, and went through thousands of miles of the Gobi Desert only to come up with absolutely fucking nothing. Uh, we also <laughs> have <laughs> reality te television series uh, Destination Truth. Uh, Josh Gates, of course, uh, went up there and tried to look into it. And you guys are not going to believe what he found on his episodes about it. That sounds absolutely like a nothing. Title. <laughs> what? You <laughs> won't believe nothing. what they found. Absolutely nothing. And then the other one, uh, the one we have here in the middle, the New Zealand television entertainment reporter David Ferrier, who uh, at the time was working for TV3 News, but currently has the show on Netflix, Dark Tourist, if you guys know Whoa. that. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He took part in an expedition wow. in 2009, and this is so crazy. He also came up empty-handed. Uh, I'm so surprised. They go and it's nothing. They they don't get not a rumble of the sand, not a just not every time. That sounds they go like out a there, Fremen plot if I ever heard one. They even they throw the goddamn oh, fucking candles out there as bait and then just you know nothing. Okay, but could you imagine if it actually worked? And they threw a bunch of camels in there. That yeah, and then they get like, it on camera and be like millionaires probably. Hashtag yeah. totally worth it. Yeah, but they would fuck those camels. Maybe would Honestly, they would just end up being the next Skinwalker Ranch, and there would be <laughs> fucking ninety people show. who would be like, "Well, I went there, and nothing happened when I was there." Okay, but, but a camel. All you have to do is put a GoPro on a camel and send them out in the Gobi Desert. Yeah. Mongolian Skinwalker really does have a ring to it. The Mongolian mm. skinwalker. skinwalker. Mm. He's really dry. Brandon now, has entered the chat. Is there anyone here that doesn't have a crush on Josh Gates? Uh, no, I, I don't said, know who Josh Gates uh, is. I 1000% that he is a very attractive man. There is something to me about a full bodied ginger that yeah. I can't say no to. It's just Jimmy, there's something Jimmy, it's like they're exotic. Me. I'm really like blonde and ginger people. I don't like blondes or gingers. That Anunnaki bloodline. I just like gingers. Wait, hold on. Anunnaki cannot be gingers. Why? Or like, what is it? The Nephilim are supposed to be ginger or something? What's the What's the aliens that have the red bushes? Nobody knows. Uh, I do want to see his death worm for Irish. sure. That's why they say Kentucky fried. I don't think he's handsome. Okay. I think he looks boring. And I think that <sighs> because his face is so boring, he will never find the answers we want. I mean, like Josh Gates. Freeman looks like he's taking a poop. Ladies. For sure. Yes. First of all, Brie, super judgmental. 
So yes. judgmental. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Always. Super judgmental. Yes. He owns it. Hi, hi, yes. For Trump. Okay. Yes. Josh Gates. Does not hide in long grass with her judgments. Hold on. <laughs> Josh Gates is 45 years old. So he's six <laughs> years older than I am. Tony, right, you're, you're doing good, Tony. Thanks. He's a inch shorter than I am, but I mean, you know, he's a he's a big dude. Like he's six foot Your two. wife thinks he's a hottie. Is that what you do? Do you put on a little Indiana Jones hat and you're like, I'm gonna dust that's you, Yeah, that's what you should do. You should be like you should be like, this. Let me explore your destination. Let me get in your yeah, temple exactly. of doom. Oh, yeah. Temple of doom. No, I'm I'm about to explore how she fucking said he looks better than me. You drink the blood of the collie. <laughs> no, he really is super boring looking. I'm actually surprised. I think Jamie, if you took off the hat, oh, I hear her. I hear her. She's back. <laughs> I don't know who David Ferrier is, but I thought it was Louis Thoreau for a second there. Yeah. But it's not. Hello. It looks very similar for sure. Yes. Jamie, if you take I'm off tepid. his clothes and his hat, he looks like any other white boy, and I guarantee you, you would not like him. He is chunky and he would breathe heavy. I'm into that. <laughs> There's more. No, I don't think so. I don't think he's. You're the right. I I just realized. Richard Freeman looks like Chad Smith a little bit. Here's how I feel. Richard Freeman looks like Chad Smith. Chad Smith does not have that hairline. How dare you? That's slander. That was slander. That was slander, Kari. I'm sorry, Chad. You better hope Chad's not here. This is the least focused. Someone is telling me that that this guy is attractive yes oh look at him God. look at those this wrists one? they're so he fragile he looks like he sells a timeshare jamie what? that looks like if trevor lost weight oh that's gross it looks just like him don't say that i think josh gates is a dairy Expect like that the third one in that nice that with the with the sunset lighting you like him, it's all sideways. You like him oh chunkier than the one on the right I like him chunky. Yeah, the one on the right's too thin. Now, for Tony, me. what version of Josh yeah, Gates like do you one? prefer to have sexual intercourse with? <laughs> <laughs> which one's your I'll favorite? Wait, yeah. Which version? Oh, which what, season, season three. Season no, Caitlyn uh, Jenner. The no, it's, it's out of these two right here. It's Caitlyn Jenner. I, I, I think it's, it's the one oh. with the fire stick. Oops, oh my God. I'm fucking it up. Oh Ooh, look God. at that one. It's like a it was like a this cartoon is... version of him. It's his uh his video game version. It's a real fucking thing. You're not gonna okay. hear this kind of banter on Sasquatch Chronicles, I'll tell you that. Right? <laughs> Never. Yeah, but Ew, that's a great show, by the way. So uh, look how skinny he is here. Look at that. What is that? That's I don't like that one. It looks like a ghostbuster in that one. Oh, my God. oh, look at that. <laughs> he's like a Civil War general. Wait, wait, what he's, is kind that? Of, he's kind of got like a fluctuating is that Chris DC Pratt muscle thing going on. Or what? <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Is that Ryan Bradley? No. I thought I saw him. No, from I'm, afar, I thought it was his face. That tripped me out. Wow. All right. You guys are giving flip. me a boner. Can we move yeah, on? Get, let's yeah, let's get back we, to it. Let's I am to going. It. This is too much foreplay. 
every single fucking insult that we just did for the last fucking 10 minutes. There's no insults ever. I never. never We're not talking about bears yet. Hold on. No, actually, I think it is technically time to talk about bears, actually. Wait. Nice segue. We're going to have to redo a bear in the big blue house and just put Tony's face on it when he gets Yeah, exactly. It's bear time. It's bear time. Bear time. I've been to that bar, bear time. All right, Tones, lay it on us. Give us the earthly explanations with the game warden. I like this penis snake. <laughs> Jamie's really horny tonight. Right what here? That? No, that's that? a penis snake. She's like, give Ew. me a so, with a big penis snake. There are very good earthly explanations. There's uh three venomous snakes that come right around the range of the size of the Mongolian deathworm, and then you have the Tartar Samboa. Tartar select. I didn't. <laughs> it. What's hap? Oh my God! What's happening? I'm sorry. Hello. Little peek behind the curtain. Also called the sand boa, they get up to 30 inches in length, which is not even all the way up my leg. But you know, what we have to look at is we have a venomous snake. That could easily be misidentified as a worm or especially in a dry and arid area where they can pop up, bite, jump away. And people just aren't, you know, we don't have (laughs) a way to survive it. I know what to tell you. Snakes scare the shit out of me. They're they're like Snake. my second Ooh. worst. You got you on your own. Animal. What is going on? Who's fucking with all of our buttons? The feds. Yes. Yeah. Oh, no. This broadcast. There's, uh, there's two animals. There's two animals I don't think you should ever fuck with. Uh, oh. You you should never fuck with a snake on land or a, any type of bear. <laughs> You should also never fuck with a shark in the water. Oh, I love sharks. Right up until they're hungry. So Okay, oh. so what's this? I've what's also the... I've also heard theories that it could be some sort of uh like like a legless lizard or one of those lizards with like small tiny little little paws. Is that what they're what called? Are those yeah. No. Salamanders? No, not salamanders. It's way too A legless lizard. So it's them. either. It's supposed uh, to be a snake. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Yeah, it has to be a form of snake or some kind of weird worm that has no fossil. Recognition, which is why I lean towards snakes, and this is why I lean towards it being there's three species of snakes that fall under this category, and each one of them perfectly fits the description, which will lead to my 
What's length? Anywhere from two to seven feet. The boa? All of them. You know what I just thought of that reminds me of these worms? Hmm. Those excavators that they use to make, like, underground tunnels. (laughs) It's the same kind of mechanism that a worm would use. Well, it's a worm, but not necessarily. It's a mechanical worm. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna explain what I feel what I feel for this cryptid versus a couple other cryptids. What's happening? What? It's not my turn. No, the next slide, B. I think we've landed here. We are there. We did it. You're at the time. I'll start first. I want to go first. I think that this one... Sometimes I do. (laughs) It takes a lot of marijuana and a lot of (laughs) concentration. Like I can. And this time, I spent a lot of time really trying to focus on what I thought my thoughts were. And I decided that I'm going to have to give this one a 3.5. I don't think... It's a crypt, the cryptid that they think it is when you think of the Mongolian death worm. But I definitely think that there, we have another case of misidentifica- misidentification where it could be something like a snake. Like realistically, the Mongolian death worm doesn't, it doesn't sound like this big, crazy monster that you see, like, you know, in, like Bobby said at the beginning, sci fi movies. I think that because it is like so very realistically could just be a large snake or worm thing that lives out there. That's why I'm giving it the 3.5. I'm like, okay, it could just be a misidentification. But for it being the Mongolian death worm, I don't think so. I think what we have is another one of these tall tale things that are just told through time. I equate this one very much so to like uh, the tales inside of the Bible. Ooh, uh, audience, we haven't done yeah. this in a while. People in the comments, uh, hit up your yeah. factor sci-fi while we're yeah, doing Yeah, tell this, us please. your number in the chat. All right, Bree. We'll go in a little poop. Brianna. Um, I'm gonna sci-fi this. Yes. What? I give it a, like a one. You maybe. skeptic? It's <laughs> racist. If that, I know. I'm sorry. Absolutely. I, I want to believe it, oh. but oh, this is a hard ten for me. Oh, you're a liar. You're a fucking liar. No, I'm hard. You're lying. Hard 10. I don't. I don't know if like I think a lot of the descriptions might be hyperbolic, but I think this is a real thing, for sure. Like a real, like, believe, underground uh, worm? I believe non-whites, Brie, okay? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Making so, statements okay. on this channel. Wow. That was some <laughs> spicy chili right there. Yeah. Get it, Bobby, get it. All right, uh, Car Car? Uh, no, hard fact. Hard fact on me, for me. Okay, so I'm going to go with sci-fi. I think Jamie's right. It's misidentification. And it's these tall tales that, like, pe- people back then, they just had stories. So they tell... Bigger and bigger stories, but it's also like a warning, like don't go out into the desert. There's giant snakes and worms that will get you. And then people like Frank Herbert pick up on these stories in in like the mythology of the of Asia and work that into their sci-fi 
uh, novels that they were writing and create this kind of mythology mythology in the Western world mm-hmm. of using concepts that already kind of pre-exist in, in existing mythology, yep. which is overblown, overblown stories of sandworms and, and stuff when they're nowhere near that big. And, you know, it's a big spectacle when you take that idea and, and then put, make them like a mile long and they can eat cities and stuff in, in, in a sci-fi narrative. But I don't think it's, I think a lot of the idea of the danger of these worms that you get with tremors and stuff too, is it's taking this original idea and blowing it up. So it is a threat. Because it's not a threat like without it. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna go like a, a one. It, it's just it's misidentified animals, and then there's a sci-fi aspect put on top of it to make it seem cool. All right, tones. I'm gonna give this. Uh, now I'm gonna give it a two and a half. I think there's a. There's a place where these animals existed, these snakes existed, and people would fall victim to them, but to move it on for it to be a full-fledged cryptid, no, I just think it was a misfortunate encounter with the local fauna and flora. Right on. All right. So what's our overall look here? It looks like a lot of sci-fi. Yeah, I, th- I think that yeah. lands at about a four. Yeah, probably four, yeah. but more still yeah, the, on the sci-fi the ten, side. The ten drags it up a little bit, but yeah, four oh, sounds yeah, That's all me, baby. That's all about it. <laughs> all right, you guys excited well, for this next just carrying part? this on his back. I know, oh, he's yeah. about to carry us even more. He is. If you didn't already know, uh, this week's uh, Bobby's movie recommendations would be 1990s. Uh, Free slide it. Trimmers. Who has the, the background? Sorry, yeah. Kevin Bacon, Fred Ward, uh, Reba McIntyre, Michael Gross, uh, the guy from Big Trouble in Little China, Victor Wong. Uh, just a fucking amazing uh, 1980s I watched that cast. a lot as a kid. I watched it a lot as a kid. I remember it's one of the first, uh, one of the first times I had a friend uh, sleep over uh, when we were very young. We rented this movie, and he had to call his mom <laughs> to pick him up because he was scared. <laughs> the trimmers, the worst. Uh, this honestly, like, if you if you do the true roster of Kevin Bacon movies, this is arguably the best Kevin Bacon movie. It is. And it, uh, it really Apollo, is. Apollo 13 is my favorite Kevin Bacon movie. Nah, yeah, but that's a bunch of NASA for shit, though. Yeah. Um, I'm going this for reality. Trimmers wins over Apollo, Apollo 13. <laughs> so, so, Bobby, do you know that the filming of this movie gave Kevin Bacon nightmares? Really? Yes, I can see oh, it. Shit. I mean, it, like who's dying in the background? That that cover on the left, that image on the left, is like one of the most iconic, like video rental, video store boxes. Mm-hmm. That that's just deeply burned into my psyche, and it may look like 1980s horror sci-fi schlock, but it's actually like a really fun, really good movie. 
And uh, again, I know we probably have some younger listeners that maybe have never seen it, Brie. Um, <laughs> but like, seriously, sit down and watch Trimmers and tell me it's not like an uh, instant classic. It's so fucking good. Um, yeah. It's about, uh, it's not set in Mongolia. It's set in, I believe, either Nevada or New Mexico or Arizona. Arizona Nevada? I think. I think it's Nevada. Something like in that. In my backyard. And uh, yeah, and there's <laughs> like seven 51. sequels. It's like, the graboids are what the monsters are called, and uh, you know there's a whole thing where you can't if you walk they 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 uh, hunt their prey by the vibrations of the ground, so they can't people can't walk around or they'll get eaten by the trimmers. It's so fucking good. But yeah, just going back to Kevin Bacon in general. I mean, what do you got? You got Footloose. You got Sleepers. Sleepers is pretty good. You got Apollo 13. You got Hollow Man. You yeah, got um, you got Fr- Friday the Thirteenth, which like Mystic is River. a good movie, but. Mystic River. That's not Sleepers. Mystic River. Kevin Bacon was the very first penis I ever saw. It's like my family loves to tell the story. My grandma showed it. Wild things. Where he's slung out, and I was like, "Mom, I saw a penis." It's like, wow. What what movie is that? I don't really don't know. My my grandma showed me. Was like, this is a penis. (laughs) (laughs) You saw Kevin's bacon. (laughs) Yeah. Right after yeah, I called my mom, I was like, I saw a penis. And we then, should start a new oh, segment yeah. of uh, Six Degrees of Separation with Kevin Bacon. Yeah, I was going to say Six Degrees, six degrees of, of Separation Bacon. of Kevin Bacon's Where can we phallus. watch Tremors? Where Do we know uh, where that's streaming? Uh, Enzo, you got anything on that? Stir of Echoes was yeah, good. I, th- I, like I think it's on Amazon here in the UK. I'm pretty sure it's on Amazon. There's uh, the second one's pretty it. fun too. It's not as good. I think yeah. it's a directed video. I don't know if I've seen any of. There's like seven of them now, yeah. but uh, the first one's just a fucking 1990 classic. It it really represents that time, that wonderful time where the world was transitioning from the 1980s into the 1990s, which is my most formative years. And uh, Trimmers holds the fuck up. So if you've not seen it, or if you have seen it, watch Trimmers. Have any of you ever seen the Kevin Bacon TV show called The Following, where he's like a cop tracking this like cult serial killer? No, that sounds awesome. It's awesome. I thought it was The it's Outsiders. Like no, no, it's called The, fo- the Following. No, it's the so the cult. The cult guy is played by James Purefoy. Purefoy. Mm. It's a pretty, pretty well-written show. It came out about ten years ago. I highly recommend it. Word. Okay. Okay. Anyone else got anything coming up in the next couple weeks here? Yes. Uh, I mean, maybe. (laughs) I have a great show coming out in the next couple weeks. It's going to be all of Tariwaba minus Bobby. Because you're not going to be there. What what show is that? That is the contact in the desert. Toddy Wobble Live. Toddy Wobble Live. Fuck. Can I like live via satellite in? Yeah. I don't see why you can't come. Like, what the hell? Yeah, Yeah. right. We sleep on our floor. We We have a lot of floor room. I got no money. Um, Well, we got you a free ticket and a free hotel room floor. You got a free hotel room? Yeah, what else do you need? The floor. What else do you need? I'm almost 40. I don't sleep on floors. Um, it's you know what? That's one day. What it's we have mile. learned, Bobby, is that's not an excuse. That's true. We've, we've heard stories. <laughs> we've learned that that's not an excuse. 
Yeah, 65-year-olds on the floor somewhere. Hey, listen, get you a cock. Oh, yeah. Jamie? Look, Thoughts? We'll talk You're about silent. This. Yeah, Jamie. You're muted. Um, Jamie's but uh, I got... Uh, Still. I want to throw this out there. First of all, uh, hey. my show is not for everyone podcast. It's a horror movie or just cult classic movie podcast, but it's really not that. It's just me and my friend talking smack to each other. Very, very offensive. But uh, we just dropped an episode on Santa Sangre, which is a weird Alejandro Jodorowsky movie from 1990 as well, just like Trimmers. And um, on our Patreon, me and my friend Austin have started a, a show that might be more in the wheelhouse of Tariwaba listeners. It's just about like High strangeness, esotericism, occult practices. Oh, uh, hold on! He, you started a new show. Yeah, on his Patreon, and, and you didn't, you didn't bring it to Toy Wabba. Look, I'm, a, I'm getting there. <laughs> right? I'm getting there. I told my we buddy Austin, who is like, to circle back. He to was this. like very. He's like, like I'm going to sue you. Ago, <laughs> we'll circle back. My we'll idea. circle back. Let me we'll set up the premise. Back. We'll my friend Austin, back. who's been on my show, I think you guys have. He's I know Austin. Yeah, I know Austin. Yeah, I love Austin. he's like he was like a very scientific kind of like secular progressive a few years ago, and now he's very like dabbling in occultism and like in like uh, you know cardamancy and stuff like that. So we're just kind of I'm just kind of documenting his journey through that, and it, 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 we talk about various things. We've done one on cardamancy. We've done one on the Akashic record. Um, we've only done three episodes. What I told him is once we hit 10, I'll start releasing them to the public. But the reason I bring it all up is maybe we could do some sort of Tabiwada, Tabiwaba affiliation thing or something. Absolutely. Know, talk about this offline. Um, but if anyone has, uh, if anyone would like to be a guest on that particular show that's not open to the public yet, uh, that is either a witness or someone that's into these weird things or practices weird occult magic. Uh, whatever, anything in that wheelhouse, just hit me up uh, on Instagram at Pinball Bobby. I've already hit up Kari to try to um, talk about uh, <laughs> the whole Blue Avian conundrum. Because one of our big things is we like to apply our, you know, brainwashed Western scientific secular mind to these ideas and try to see where how it all kind of like shakes out in uh, in in reality. So. Um, Again, once we hit 10 episodes, I'll start dropping them to the public. Right on. That sounds really cool. I vibes. Didn't you were doing that. Does anyone else have vibes. anything else to say before <clears throat> Kari plays this out? I do want to say if you see me at Contact in the Desert and you are not one of these four people, slap on the ass. It's the best way to make contact. Squeezy squeeze. Touch his titty. Don't fucking touch me. <laughs> That's like squeezy squeeze. Exact squeeze. opposite of what they said. Yeah. You take the two oh. knuckles and you do and a little grab it. I am not a huggy person. I am not. I'm gonna learn today. Yeah, you're gonna, gonna have a bad time. Day. Everybody's gonna hug you. We gonna touch you. I'm a toucher. Oh, I'm a toucher. I'm a hands-on personnel type of gal. You're right. the size of you're four foot three. I'll just push you away. Pretty much, yeah. That's All right, cool. Kari, can you roll that beautiful, beautiful bean footage? Yep. You can find me on the internet at Fires of Truth. Kari, did you get uh uh 
what was what was the baked bean commercial that has that bushes baked beans bushes you guys baked got beans. bushes baked beans we don't have bushes here no Heinz they have Heinz that's, we have that's Heinz. the only that's the only baked beans that I know of roll that be- uh, beautiful bean we bush. have Br- we have a uh, Branston too I don't know. Um, you're speaking okay. English to me now. Yeah. I know, right? Okay. So, uh, love you guys. Bye. Love this everybody. On Twitter. Put it on toast, yeah. motherfuckers. Roll Bye. it. Bye. Hey. Toast. Hey. Yeah.